Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Heart in the Paint NBA podcast, the only NBA podcast that asks the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael on this fantastic November 3rd, 2019. And boy, do we have some exciting sports ball to talk about. It is the 12th day of the NBA season, which means we have just enough takeaways to talk about pretty much everybody that matters in the league, as well as the uh, ongoing China kerfuffle that we kind of have uh, waited for more details on before we talked about. But before we get into any of that, let's give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode of Heart in the Paint podcast, and that is Mountain Dew Game Fuel. Now, you might be familiar with Mountain Dew as a normal sponsor of the podcast, but they have a special amped game fuel beverage uh, that you can enjoy with a unique pull tab can opening mechanism. It's a world-class, one-of-a-kind, specially charged Mountain Dew uh, with additional uh, vitamins and ingredients to give you extra alertness and accuracy. Uh, Most importantly, vitamins A and B. Uh, It comes in wonderful uh, textured containers so it won't slip from your sweaty video game hands. I personally like the green one the best. Uh, The red one's okay as well, but it comes in a multitude of flavors. You can find them at your local grocery store, gas station, anywhere that sells Mountain Dew products. Or you can go to their website and use code HARDINTHEPAINT for 10% off your first order. And with that, let's hop right into the thing that nobody wants to talk about for monetary reasons. That is Winnie the Pooh himself, China. So, as you guys may have heard by now, and honestly, now that the season started, people aren't talking about it anymore, which is exactly what I thought would happen. Uh, A couple months ago, when the preseason was going on, Daryl Morey, of course, uh, retweeted a pro-Hong Kong message on his Twitter feed. And uh, within an hour or two, he got loads of feedback, uh, used in air quotes, and he removed the post. And, of course, this caused a pro-Hong Kong vibe in the NBA that got backtracked by Adam Silver, faked apologized for, and then the Chinese government said things like they'd boycott the games, and then they didn't boycott some games, and then they did boycott some games. And then, uh, of course, LeBron came out, said something to the tune of uh, Daryl Morey being uneducated about the situation. And then, of course, it's just kind of caught everybody's tailwind at this point with multiple fans, at mostly at the California games, uh, handing out free Hong Kong t-shirts and flags and whatnot uh, in the stadium before the games some people making signs and those get confiscated some of them do some of them don't uh so all sorts of things going on here uh let's just start kind of at the beginning of the story with daryl morey kind of the spark that ignited this huge communist fire uh so what's going on with daryl morey these days he's still the rockets gm 
Still playing Mori Ball down in Houston. What's going on there? Do you think uh, this whole controversy with Mori will inhibit the Rockets' ability to uh, make player trades or uh, buyout signings and all that over the course of the year? I think he definitely has to worry about his job a little bit. I don't think anyone said, hey, you're not going to get fired for this, or hey, we're going to nudge you out the door gradually because of this. I mean, this is kind of like, you know, a scandal in the positive, at least in the public opinion view. But there's so much pushback, like, behind closed doors about it. How much do you think... uh... Adam Silver will address this um, over the course of the year and, you know, definitely over next offseason. Very important. Doesn't seem like the NBA has found its uh, its bearings with, with the whole uh, China-Hong Kong, you know, uh, line. Yeah, it's, it's almost like there's a conflicting message. Like, they don't know exactly where they want to stand on it. And they haven't really put out, like, an official statement. I mean, you know, he had, like, two press conferences afterwards, and he kind of said pretty middle-of-the-road political answer, kind of not trying to upset anything too much further. Uh, But it's really funny for how, uh, you know, the NBA being more of the, uh, I don't want to say, like, progressive, but maybe forthcoming with at-home political issues in the United States. You know, all of the... They had a bunch of the Black Lives Matter kind of stuff went through the NBA players and was supported by the league and then the whole more-than-an-athlete kind of campaign. And now that it's sort of an international issue, uh, you know, obviously this is a much... I think maybe closer uh, to home deal for some of, like, the actual NBA executives that have built such as like a foothold in China over the past 15 years, I'd say, Uh, you know, and, and they don't want to see all that work just get flushed down the tube, so to speak. So I think it's pretty important though, that they come out with something. Cause I mean, it's just been like, ever since the season started, it's basically just been like, hush, hush. Nobody's asked about it. Nobody's really talked about it. It's kind of just like preseason drama because we were all starving for NBA news. And now that the actual NBA is here, we don't care about it as public anymore. Yeah, in a way, it's with the season getting off to a pretty, you know, a hot start. Um, you know, we've had already like a load of good games and a lot of good NBA drama like on the court and, um, you know, a bunch of surprises. I think it's kind of helped move the spotlight from the the hong kong china stuff to the actual gameplay but why do you think lebron decided to chime in because he kind of came out with uh very i would say a kind of a miscalculated misfiring of an answer yeah very very muddled so he kind of came out with one one tweet back very early on and then once you know a couple days later after he left china uh you know he kind of tried to clear up some of the confusion behind, you know, his 200 character tweet for such a big political issue. Um, 
And I would say, I'd say the the one credit I will give LeBron and the guys that sort of defend what he came out and said is that, you know, as maybe an NBA, a large NBA figure in the States, tweeting out something anti-China while, like, your contingency is in China a little like hostile it's kind of like you know crying wolf while everybody's in the wolf pen it's you know you're kind of you're kind of putting people in danger there a little bit i would say um yeah and i kind of wonder if it hit him uh lebron like a little bit more simply because of like kuzma right kuzma's like one of the guys who had a like sponsorship uh stuff and then obviously that was basically taken completely off the table. And for a guy like Kuzma, that's pretty much a pretty big deal because, the, you know, the guys at the very top, you know, the LeBrons, the Hardens, Currys, Katies are going to be fine, right? It's those guys like Kuzma and like Brandon Ingram and... Um, their first you know, big guys. deal, really. Right, yeah. These guys who are pretty much coming off their rookie deals a little bit haven't really become household names yet. So if they can get uh, sponsorship anywhere they can get it uh that's kind of what it means right is just financial security and then obviously he's basically in the in the lose-lose situation is basically out of probably a few million dollars which you know probably is pretty meaningful to a dude who's like 21 22 years old yeah and i i think we can all agree that lebron's statement yeah after the fact I'd say pretty much every radio and sports talking head has said he probably said one of the worst things he could have said, like in all of the realm of acceptable responses, you know, uh, he could have said really fucking awful and dumb things to say. And he could have said something really amazing for the league or for the people or anything, but to come out, you know, a week, week and a half later and with a very, half-baked maybe even third-baked answer uh people have really kind of all the news and the hubbub was this is the biggest stain on lebron's career is this sort of really crappy statement trying to address a very popular issue in the states even though it doesn't directly impact us but kind of does uh, and I think that's so I, totally fair to give that as a discredit to LeBron's legacy, whatever that's going to be. So two follow-ups on the, I guess, LeBron angle of this story. One, do you think uh, LeBron was sort of forced into a corner a little bit because Adam Silver, as the representative of the, the league and probably more of the team ownership uh, side of things, you know, kind of the business side of it the administration side uh came out and was so muddled in his statement that lebron being basically the face of the player half of the nba felt obligated to come forth and two do you think uh with all this like lebron stuff he has he lost all the goodwill that he built up in his last year in cleveland uh culminating in the finals run um and then opening up the school in akron yeah i think that's the big thing is people don't like anymore is 
we had like really good good boy vibes from LeBron. I mean, you can be whatever side you want to be on the like police brutality, Black Lives Matter issue, but you can at least say that you know the school, a lot of the community outreach he's done, uh, you know, single mom, you know, starting from the bottom kind of thing, uh, has been pretty much like a a a plus like press conference game minus the decision you know this that was really his only other big knock in his career right um so that definitely rubs people the wrong way especially when you realize okay he moved to la last year for reasons that weren't necessarily just to win right away like you know his his kid goes to the you know best AAU team he's got space jam too and of course that's the big thing is everyone's like oh you know they're gonna he's gonna defend china so he can get space jam too in the theaters over there and all of his you know lebron's are super popular over in china and the shoes and the retail and everything and so now there's this muddied guise of uh like virtue signaling capitalism associated with LeBron's business side of things, which I think is fair. I mean, I, I think what you have to realize is every big org does that one way or another, whether it's supporting China, not supporting China, supporting gay rights, not supporting gay rights, LGBT rainbow icons, you know, regular, whatever it is. I mean, businesses wouldn't do it if there wasn't, a reason to earn money behind the back of it somehow. So you you kind of can't hate him for that, but at the same time you kind of can. So cuz people don't like billionaires these days, but uh the first part well, of your I'm question <laughs> yeah. is uh I don't know. Do you think Adam Silver basically talked to LeBron yeah. or maybe LeBron and CB3, you know, the, those guys who are uh, basically the like player side of, of the players. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he probably went to them and said, Hey, you guys got to come out and speak on this. I, so I definitely, I don't know if it was confirmed or not, but I definitely saw or read something somewhere that, uh, said like, there was teams, like a weird backdoor meeting. Yeah. Like teams were doing meetings with players, especially some of like the lower realm players of like, Hey, you know, don't say anything about this. You know, don't even mention it for, you know, reporters. Like, I know ESPN put out a thing, like, saying reporters can't ask questions to players about this. And, you know, we even saw that one lady get shut down mid-question, I think, in one of the Houston games. Uh, So, I mean, there's been a lot of, I think, top-down sort of hush-hush engagement going on. Now, if that went on with LeBron before he made that tweet, Mm. I don't know if that explicitly went on, but I I know that there's something that he knows and those other guys know that I probably don't know. That's why they're saying what they're saying. That's what I like to assume anyways, that people know more than me. Uh, But it still doesn't make a good look. Like, it still doesn't excuse having to side with the commissioner. I mean, that's just... uh, what if Adam Silver went to LeBron and made him a deal saying, hey, man, you guys don't have a point guard. I can get you a point guard. But then I'm going to need you to, to speak up on this on this China situation. 
So as a way of getting CP3 kind of, you know, undoing the David Stern block, right? For <laughs> CP3, the Lakers. What if Adam Silver basically offered that to LeBron in exchange for LeBron coming out with a statement on China? That'd be a pretty good deal if, uh, you know, the Hornets were owned by the NBA still and there was a three-team trade that people thought would make a super team. Uh, no, I, I think I think it's kind of lame, personally, from, from LeBron's, like, responsibility side that he would just kind of default side, not really give his own angle on it. You know, it it wasn't. It didn't feel like he came up with that response himself. It, and that's I would accept that. Uh, but I think the best possible thing would have been to just embrace being like the champion of this because one or two lower, not one or two, maybe like a handful of like lower level superstars, you know, guys that don't sell sneakers or anything, have come out in support of Hong Kong. Uh, not like super explicitly, but like enough to push back against Adam Silver and LeBron and some of these other guys. Uh, so I think if he just kind of championed that voice, he could really do a lot for those people, especially once you consider pretty much everyone in Hong Kong just burned LeBron's jersey, just like they did when he left Cleveland. So... You can say, and and all of the, the a ton of like uh, newspaper cartoons came out with him in like communist China, like you know, in front of Tiananmen Square or with Winnie the Pooh or whatever. So I mean, is LeBron the first player to have three different uh, jerseys burned? Cleveland, Miami, and a Laker and Lakers. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> New record. All right. Should the NBA hashtag cancel China? I don't think so. I think this is something where, yeah, it sounds good to like fuck China over because like nobody really <laughs> likes China and like Hong Kong wants to be free and everything. But, you know, the NBA is a product that China and its fans cannot get. And if China wants to supersede its fans and block the NBA, obviously the people aren't going to like it. So both sides have some leveraging here. I think they can come to a deal and it's not going to be a huge issue. But uh, so, so no, they shouldn't just cancel China. Should the NBA use this as an opportunity to pivot to another country with a billion plus people? Should the NBA exploit the China-Hong Kong situation and target India? Absolutely. As a fan base? Yes. Those Indian kids love some Simbalar on the Kings. Oh, my God. Satnam Singh, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, fun, the, the side tangent to all of this, which is funny because this weekend was kind of a part of a conclusion of it, was, you know, Meanwhile, the whole Hearthstone, Blizzard, Activision, Call of Duty Duty have also been in this China kerfuffle. And, uh, you know, Blizzard had this Hearthstone tournament going on in China uh, at the time of all this NBA stuff. And 
the champion one went on stream you know they did the champions interview and he went into masks saying free hong kong you know they cut his cam they shut down the stream all that stuff happened then they banned him for a year they took all his prize money away they fired and banned the casters and the production crew and everything uh and then uh some college teams in the u.s also had pro hong kong messages and they got banned uh so then this uh, i think the guy's name's blitz chung was the hearthstone champion about uh, a week or two ago they like rescinded his prize money so they gave it back to him but and they shortened his ban but they still banned the production crew and the casters and the college teams and everything uh so then just this weekend is blizzcon which is blizzard's like once a year gaming convention where they release all their new stuff and hype up the crowd and everything and it was supposed to get boycotted to oblivion uh but they pushed the big red button and said we're gonna reveal diablo 4 and overwatch 2 yep literally the break in case of emergency behind the glass (laughs) probably four layers of glass uh and so, of course, a fuckload of people showed up to play Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, uh, let alone the main character of Overwatch 2 being the character of the Free Hong Kong movement. Uh, so, actually, I'm kind of interested in both of those games, even though I have to buy a Blizzard title, which doesn't entertain me. Uh, but they basically, you know, the CEO or whoever, one of the VPs, Beginning of the opening ceremony had a little statement. Really shitty apology on their part. It was like they didn't even apologize. Uh, They just said, you know, we're a global company and we want people to have a voice and very basic political talk. Uh, Didn't say anything about the Hearthstone stuff going on with the bannings or the champions or the production crew. Uh Obviously didn't say anything about, you know, all their staff doing these walkouts uh, in response uh, and a couple other things. So still a bad look for Blizzard, but they push the big red buttons to get people back in their side. So I don't think it actually is going to hurt them in the long run. And uh, have you played the new Call of Duty? I do. I have played it. I do own it. I bought it because I caved. I actually am enjoying it a lot, surprisingly. Uh it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, it does seem like it's it does seem like it's better than uh the last few iterations. But I yeah. don't think it's as good as like the mid two thousand stuff. No, it's kind of a callback to that though, in terms of I think uh game speed and just you know, you don't have any more of these people that can fly around corners with jetpacks oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah, high tech yeah, yeah. things and laser beams and Yeah, and, like weird and, trolling aspect. So. Yeah, and like crazy ass things flying in the air all the time. I mean, it's still very kill heavy and everything, and uh, the maps aren't quite as formulaic as they used to be, which is a little, you know, it's good and bad. Uh, it feels more like the older games where not everything's balanced perfectly on purpose, and like maps aren't perfectly set up, and you know, there's no jetpacks and fucking crazy shit all over the... You know, people with flamethrower Gatling guns that can go invisible and... Yeah, you know, it's not so, like, ADD. Like, you can actually just sit 
and like hold a lane and feel important. So uh I'm enjoying it. Alright. Time to talk about the NBA? Talk, yeah. Time to talk about the season? Yeah. Alright. Well I guess the biggest thing the biggest storyline of the season, uh twelve days in, has gotta be Steph's hand. The Absolutely, yes. The Warriors are kerfucked. Like, so they did this thing on Twitter where it was like, it was like an infographic of like the Warriors' last six NBA games, starting with <laughs> Kevin Durant, then Clay Thompson, then losing, then this season, and now Steph's hand being the last of the six deadly sins. Uh, so really, really rough start for the. Cl- uh, wow, I almost said the Clippers. I meant the Warriors. Uh, Yikes! Like, just tank it away. Fire Steve Kerr. Just, you think they should tank? Yeah, just blow it up, dude. I don't know. See, the whole Steve Kerr aspect of it has me thinking. If they really want to prove how Spursy, uh, gold the Golden State Warriors are, this would be the year that they like make an eight seed. It's like no Clay, no Seth, no KD, no Boogie, no Iggy. No Sean Livingston, no real fucking power forward. Draymond, it's just fucking Draymond and Kavon Looney and some other randos, and that that would be the ultimate playoff. Like vindicating like Steve Kerr is actually like a really good coach, which I do think he's a good coach. But you know the the comp has always been with Popovich, right? And it's like Popovich just keeps going to the fucking playoffs every fucking year. Yeah, but then we then that impinges on Steph's legacy, because then you've proven the system's really good, and Steph's just a product of the system. Uh, I mean, I, I think looking back, I think that's already that you know that part of the story's already been written by the whole Mark Jackson was a coach, and then Steve Kerr like immediately took over, and then it just unlocked Steph's game, and it basically propelled him into being a top. 25 player of all time i mean up until mark you know uh, you know while mark jackson was the head coach of the warriors i would say like i don't think anybody was on the radar i don't think like steph curry was on the radar for anybody of being like a top 30 player of all time no i mean and they yeah, were like a sleeper year. playoff team but not like uh you know yeah everybody thought time. okay maybe maybe they'll make a western conference finals one of these years you know maybe they'll kind of give it a bit of a run but yeah you know, 18 months into into the Steve Kerr era, I mean, everybody was like, fuck, he's the second greatest player in the league. Yeah. You know, he's like a top 30 guy now. I mean, I... So, I think the whole idea that, like, Kerr uh, did, you know, more to Steph's legacy, I think that's already happened. I think another important part of this conversation is... uh you know, I was I was tuning in, you know, flipping through games as I do on these seven game nights when like three of them happen at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, not even like, you know, the night that Steph's hand got injured, they're down like forty four to nineteen at the Suns in the first quarter. Like, what the hell's going on, folks? Like, even with Steph, like you're you're losing this bad. Like, yikes. You know, maybe it's good that Steph's hand get injured and they just kind of can write the season off now. Well, I mean, I think, I think for the Warriors, their game plan this year was going to be very, uh, 
very similar to Sacramento last year where it was going to be, you just got to be able to put up 120 to 130 points a game and hope you don't give up that much on the other end. Because defensively, they got significantly worse, right? Iggy, Clay, Katie. I mean, there's your perimeter defense. So I don't think anybody expected the Warriors to have a good uh, like defensive presence, right? I think everybody kind of thought that if this team wins – enough games to make the playoffs it was going to be because they were putting up like crazy stuff on the offensive side of the ball so I, I can kind of like write off that aspect of it like it wasn't totally surprising but you know with Steph going down they've already they already signed Draymond to like a pretty hefty contract extension you know uh, over the offseason so they're committed to you know, what is essentially the Warriors core and they've basically lost a year where Steph and Clay and Draymond are in their in their primes, right? Yeah. So financially this team is basically fucked unless they work out some kind of blockbuster trade for like Giannis or something in two years. But um where where do you think this puts D'Angelo Russell? Because he's basically now gonna be the go to guy on offense. And do you think he he's more or less moved onto the trading block. I think this is a funny position now because if you look at D'Angelo Russell on the Nets last year, mm-hmm. does that team feel better than his current Warriors lineup? Yeah, I would say so because one, they're in the East, which I mean, where he was in the East right last year, which I mean, yeah, but you have no Steph, you have no Clay, you have like. A Draymond that's mentally unstable at the moment. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like last year was a much better situation because you had stability. You weren't necessarily he wasn't necessarily in the spotlight. He was in the East, which is an easier conference. He had you know like a partnership with Jared Allen, and you know he Spencer wasn't just Dan like Lee, yeah. you know. And then eventually like Levert came back and stuff. So I think like it was like even though he was the the main guy on that Nets team, it wasn't like, here's the only way we can get a bucket. Like, I mean, hell, they even had Joe Harris, right? Like, who is probably one of the more more overrated guys in the league right now. But I, I do think that if you're D'Angelo Russell, you might be kind of thinking, all right, maybe I should try to get a trade. Maybe I should try to, like, jump ship this all the time. Yeah. Yeah, get this Minnesota, like, trade, like, done. You know what I mean? And if you're the Warriors, I mean, why would you not try to just cash in? Like, especially if the Warriors' mentality is not to get to the playoffs. A very good point. I mean, he's still hot right now. No one's really knocking D'Angelo. Like, he's still got that all star vibe level kind of going. What do you think happens to the Warriors bandwagon? Oh, man. Because some of those fans have been fucking, uh, like, unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it got even worse now that they have that new arena, and it's, like, in the bougie part of town with, like, tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's right right off that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, they can just go fall into the bay. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, just hurry up an earthquake over there. It'll be fine. So, uh, speaking of the Nets, the Nets suck. So does their fucking court design. Oh, uh, God. It's fucking hilarious just how bad they are. I think everyone had them kind of penciled in into, you know, second tier in the East yeah. at best. 
But Jesus Christ, this team is like a fucking train wreck, and it's amazing. It's literally just the Kyrie show, which is kind of entertaining a little bit. Like, he put up some fucking crazy numbers, and he's like single-handedly carrying this team. But they're losing it's, all of these yeah. buzzer beater games, and you it's gotta like feel fucking, bad for them. It's like it's like Phoenix East. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then it's like compounded because like Katie's going around all these like Brooklyn radio shows, you know, these like New York uh, radio yeah, shows, yeah. like you know, talking up like Brooklyn about, and like why he chose like Brooklyn and like how you know it's, it's Brooklyn City now and all this other like bullshit. And it's like, dude, the Knicks are probably like the last in the East. And they're always gonna have a bigger fan base. I think like the dumber part is is you know a couple of years ago we figured out with the Cavs, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Suns, a couple other teams that gray jerseys and courts just don't work. Oh god, yeah. Like there was that whole gray sleeve jersey era, like in twenty sixteen seventeen. Yeah. And uh, like. People thought it was a good idea to paint your court gray. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe in person it looks better, like the Brooklyn court. I, my, my, my thing is, like, if it was just black and white, I'd be down with that. But it's got that, like, in the paint area, it's like a, it's like a, like a charcoal. And then the rest of the court is like a weird, like, beige kind of gray. Yeah. It's, it's like, just make it black and white just keep it simple and that's okay but even then like it, it would still suck ass yeah i agree it's uh not a good look probably the best look is uh the fact that Kyrie is putting up all these ridiculous numbers in his spongebob uh collaboration Kyrie's. so he did i think the first game was actually in the pineapple ones for spongebob's house which is those things fucking shot up in price after that game, which is crazy. Oh, I'm sure. Fucking 50 points will do that. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, he's actually second in uh, points per game right now on the charts. 30 and a half. Pretty solid on uh, 45% shooting. Do you think he can keep it up? Or do you think this is like a thing where he he realizes like this team isn't really gonna fucking make it, and by Christmas like Kyrie's just like fucking giving up on this team? I think the media's already given up on him. I mean, we've just had like two news cycles of the media painting him as mentally unstable, <laughs> and all these inner team conflicts. I mean, just wait when the basketball gets bad enough, he'll start chiming in on the China stuff. <laughs> Probably. So, I, I think this is just a. Uh like a statement run and i think it'll fizzle out i don't think it'll last he'll get injured or something like he always does uh what do you make of minnesota's hot start and the cat versus uh Embiid fight so cat is a fucking monster right now apparently just like last looks like, year looks like the fucking second coming of steph curry and james harden's like fucking offspring dude yeah he's like a 611 james harden which is like <laughs> what joel Embiid wants to be because uh, they just fucking jack up threes. I mean, he attempts 10 threes a game. Almost. Jesus. <laughs> Eight and a half. I, mean, I, can't even, I can't even, like, put that in perspective. Like, yeah. that's insane. And the, he's, like, so he's hitting five threes a game as a center. 
And the best part is, is he's even pump faking and driving off of it, like way more successfully than Bede was like the past two years. Uh, it's actually insane. And he's also got, let's see, uh, 12 rebounds and four assists and three steals and two blocks. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's padding up the, the, the PER is insane. Yeah, I mean, he's basically playing. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's like we always knew offensively he had this, but now he's able to kind of overcome the deficiencies of having Andrew Wiggins on your team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> I think it also helps that he's only played four games, so that's less than anybody else on like the top list. And I think two of them were overtimes. So that's a little stat inflation. Uh, but also, didn't they? This is their this their new head coach, right? Or new? Yeah, this is uh, Flip Saunders' uh, son. Yeah, so he's been obviously more offensive minded than uh, the Thibbles, the Thibble Wolves, whatever they call them these days. Uh, Thibble pups. Yeah. Uh, so that's gotta be helping him out quite a bit, and it's nice to see Cat actually get some like media time on TV because. Everyone's been saying this guy's really good. This guy's really good, and he had like this GQ spotlight with Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell and everything. And yeah, it's kind of funny that like Minnesota gets these guys, right? Like KG has had that one MVP year, and then it's like yeah, like two Kevin Love years, and now it's like Cat. It's like these uh these guys who play like the four or five, and it's like every now and again, it's like oh yeah, Minnesota. All right. They have Keep one player. Interested. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you don't hear about them again for another eight, eight months. So do you think they even, is this like a sign of good things to come? Is this maybe put them, bump them up in our playoff standings or, or what do you think? I mean, at the beginning of the season, I basically, I had them completely out of the playoff picture in the West. I just, I just thought the West was too loaded, but um, I mean, if he's able to keep this up, I mean, this would be, you know, kind of similar to some of those 80 in, uh, you know, New Orleans type years where it was like he, he basically clawed them into like the, the eight seed, which I think would be the most realistic, um, and, you know, pending like a D'Angelo Russell trade or or something kind of like that. But, um, you know, I still think it's early. And, and it, the weird thing is like the West is just like I'm pretty sure like out of the 15 teams, like 10 have are like 500 or better already. Like, yeah, uh, that's it is the like problem, very right? How do you weird. kick someone out? Yeah. And then it's like, even like the surprises, like Phoenix is off to like a pretty solid start. And it's like, okay, maybe golden state falls out with Steph's hand injury. Um, so maybe that opens up like a spot, but then, you know, you just have all these other, uh, all these other teams that are just like, kind of keep it interesting. And then, uh, you know, you have like Dallas and stuff, which, I mean, the fucking Euro duo looks amazing, but uh, wh- wh- who who do you think won the fight, Cat or Embiid? I gotta say Embiid, just because Cat got fucking choked out by Ben Simmons. Yeah, that was that was a chokehold he was going for there. I don't know how you don't get away with a suspension for that. Like, I don't know. It's they fucking like let him play peacemaker, right? Like whatever. But yeah, fucking hilarious. I mean, I guess Cat and Ben Simmons are like. The, you know, they're like Fortnite buddies, so it's like, okay, <laughs> maybe it's like they looked at it and the fact that they're actual friends uh, and that like played into why Ben Simmons wasn't 
then like the so next three fun. days it's in beat and cat back and forth on instagram just... oh yeah it's fucking great i like la- yeah it's enjoyable i i love this like put out a diss track like come on let's let's hit it let's keep it going start taking sides yeah like dame teams up like a bead and then like ah it'd be great you know be amazing is like um at the all-star game you know how they how they now do like uh the two who are like come up with the most votes per conference are team captains. If it was like Cat and Embiid were like the captains, <laughs> it should be like <laughs> the campaign that we should start is all start. It's like it's all fan voting, right? Is the is the captain selection? That'd be great. Uh, I think so. Another Minnesota thing, real fast is uh the rookie Jared Culver, pretty much a non-bow right now. Yeah, I mean it's that's kind of a weird thing to say considering Andrew Wiggins is on that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's I guess he, I just don't think he's getting the touches. I think Wiggins is hogging him up too much, but it's important to note for the rookie conversation so far. Uh, so I'm gonna interrupt you for like just a sec. I'm like looking at the game scores right now, and uh, Miami is up twenty six to seven on Houston halfway through the first quarter. Like, holy fuck, Miami! That's insane. All right, well, I know what I'm watching when we're done with this episode. <laughs> Turn that game uh, on. <laughs> what'd you make of the Battle of LA on opening night? That was the only Lakers loss, by the way. Yeah. So they're they're actually ahead, like as of today, November third, they're actually ahead of the Clippers, uh, in in the, in the standings. But obviously, uh, the Clippers like fucking destroyed. Yeah, it just looked like LeBron was kind of passive to me. Oh, you uh, thought so? Yeah. I thought he was the most engaged I've seen him in a year. Off, I mean. One, he had to play actual point guard, right? There's no Rondo, uh, no who else? I feel like they're missing somebody else on point guard. But it was just like LeBron kicking it to AD, and it was just like the AD show. And then it was like, oh, LeBron comes out, Anthony Davis comes out. Oh, oh yeah, this Lakers team sucks. Oh, Danny Green's going to score 30 points. That's That was the bigger factor. Yeah, I mean, but I mean that team basically sucks hard without Anthony Davis and LeBron on the floor to channel their offense. But I thought even defensively, LeBron looked better. I mean, he doesn't look like you know like showstopper LeBron from like those Miami years, but he he definitely was you know a bit more uh, attentive on defense. It kind of looked like uh, whenever it wasn't. LeBron on Kawhi, it was like a guaranteed bucket for Kawhi, which is like fucking insane for me to say. It feels like, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi on offense is is legit about as good as you can get right now. Like fucking ninety nine rating. Yeah, like I think this might be like, and the funny part is, is he's actually like playmaking so much better than he was in uh, Toronto. Like, oh, that's true too. He's yeah. you know screen and rolling or like uh f- you know uh threading through the double team you know making these passes to the opposite corner or you know the hockey assist pass or, or what whatever it may be so i think that's what i'm most impressed about is like Kawhi can be that uh he's not just a scorer and a defensive guy he can kind of get some assists now and and hit guys in the right spots without feeling too ball dominant it feels like to me like it still feels like he's within the flow of the offense still which i think is really nice to see going forward 
what do you make of Boston uh, extending Jalen Brown's contract? Yeah. It's like a $100 million deal over four years. Seems like a lot. You think they have regrets in a year? I don't think they're going to regret it, though, is the sad part. I think they've already overpaid Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward's on the decline. But I think they're saying, all right, Jalen Brown's going to stick with us for the long haul because you're going to kind of have like him and Marcus Smart as thick boys on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of plug Jalen Brown into whatever team you're working with as long as it's not like LeBron. Like, I don't know. He seems pretty versatile. Like, pretty good all-around player. What What are uh, your thoughts uh, for the early part of the season on the Utah Jazz, your local team? Golly. They play the Clippers tonight. Those first two games were real rough. Jeez. <laughs> like, the Lakers game was just unwatchable. Oh, my God. Like, Mike, Mike Conley going, like, two for 40 on his, like, first shots. Like, and then they just blow Sacramento out of the water, which I think Sacramento's just got other problems it's dealing with personally. Uh, so, I don't really feel one way or another. I'd say maybe if Bogdanovich was playing the Lakers game, it's at least a game. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just a blowout, but... Uh, I mean, Mitchell looks way better. I'd say that like he looks like he's picking his spots more being a little more efficient on those like 18 foot off the screen. You know, the, the big man's playing back jumpers like the Westbrook jumpers. Yeah. He looks a little bit more like Wade less like Westbrook right now. Whereas last year, I think he was kind of DV. He was kind of trending in the Westbrook direction. Yeah. And but I think, I think this year he's kind of course corrected. Even in his like closing game spots, it seems like he's, Still picking his spots better, and of course his finish is a little bit more calm. Yeah, it, it, he doesn't seem like he's nervous. I guess like he feels on more under control. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on Luca versus Trey Young round two? Pretty fucking close battle. I don't know how good Cam Reddish is, but Trey Young's been just coming out fucking hot. Minus this really bad ankle sprain he had. Uh, there you go. And then Luca, of course, with the best team he's played with, racking up the assists. I mean, you know, this fucking... Dude, he's basically like fucking, like fucking White Harden, dude. Yeah, that's basically who he is. He's White Harden with like three inches taller or something like that. Like, oh my God. Like, it's insane how much he... Like, and he's not even doing anything like crazy athletic is the funnier part. <laughs> That's true. He, I, I will say he is definitely not athletic. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it was very uh, obvious in that Lakers game where it was like, holy shit, he's like orchestrating the defense. He's like, you know, basically breaking LeBron's ankles for a step back three along the sideline. And then at the, at the same time, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, yep. He has no lateral quickness on defense. Yeah, that's that's obviously his <laughs> biggest knock, but it was great. <laughs> I mean, when you're going against LeBron, I mean, you're kind of going to get screwed by that, whoever you are. Yeah, but I mean, he did look like a fucking wonderkind on offense there with him and Kristaps. And only okay, can we talk about fucking Kristaps? Like, dude is fucking jacked this year. He's jacked, like, but he's also jacking threes, which I don't like. He was standing next to Anthony Davis, and like. He made Anthony Davis look small. 
I'm pretty sure he's like two inches taller at least. I know, but he actually made Anthony Davis look small. Like, that's I don't know. Like, that's insane. <laughs> All right, so I actually have like I've I think I've watched every Dallas game so far, and yeah, I really don't like how much Kristaps is jacking up threes and contact averse in the paint. Yeah, but he's always been like that. I know, but there's so many times where it's like that's why he only like rebounds like five times a game. He like he like pump fakes the three because he shoots them at such an inefficient clip, but he like you know pump fakes the three takes like a step and a half in, and you're like, oh, he can just like posterize this guy right now because he's four inches taller and like fifty pounds of muscle, yep. and he takes like some shitty ass contact layup or like take you know passes to the contested guy. It's like, uh, come on, man! Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take that like contact. Like I feel like he should be averaging like ten free throws a game. I I kind of wonder if the injury is still like in his mindset, right? He hasn't actually played basketball in like almost two years, so I'm kind of wondering if like he hasn't played the contact, with contact. Yeah, the contacts. Well, we saw this with like Gordon Hayward last year, right? It was like it did take him a really long time to get used to the kind of the the bumping on the screens the kind of just you know just kind Jump of the natural and hope for it yeah the natural knocks you take in a basketball game right two guys going for the ball you bump into each other you're trying to you know roll and screen and you know you just kind of get a little jostled and i, I kind of wonder if that's a little bit in his head or if you know i mean he's still got time right i mean kp is also really young so maybe like with dirk being around maybe dirk can basically be like you know channel it in otherwise you know you got another you got a third year and maxi kleber right so maybe between dude maxi kleber looks dudes. like a fucking actual nba player this year yeah <laughs> like <laughs> like i didn't think he'd be there their closing five would be him neither did i i i'm it's like i'm very excited and also very confused by this math team because they're a lot better defensively than i would have thought uh, you know, I know that having KP does that, but they're actually like good defensively. And then I'm very weirded out by how little Tim Hardaway Jr. plays. Right. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. I thought he was going to be like the third guy on this team. Nope. Could not have been more wrong. No, it's like Maxi Kleber. And then I think the worst part about that game just specifically was the fucking Mavs just lost it in overtime. Like, yeah, I mean, they they were basically pummeling the Lakers every time LeBron and Anthony Davis left the floor, and then like and, they barely held on at the end of regulation yep. with yep. that mental misstep by Maxi Kleber of all people. Yeah, you know, uh, that really that really I, upset me because I was like, "Fuck, I want the Mavs to win. Fuck, I want them to win." And then he helps on the roll when they have to get a three. Dan Green yep. makes it, and it's like, Chris Posh, bang! And then it's like overtime, and they're just demoralized. Luka gets like hit on everything, complains way too much is my second knock for this team. Is Luka's got like the Carmelo effect of, <laughs> someone hit me, I'm going to lie on the ground for 30 seconds and complain to the refs. Like, he's got to stop doing that. Uh, yeah. That, that, that Mavs-Lakers game was probably one of the two best games this season, the other one being Milwaukee-Houston, I think, on... <laughs> The opening Thursday, that was like a candidate for game of the year as well. I didn't, I didn't games. pay attention to that one as close as I saw this last one. 
It was it was our first look at the Harden Westbrook combo, and then the Rockets got off to a pretty solid start despite like Harden being ice cold from the field, and then Giannis like leads the comeback. It was it was great. Um, what else has like stuck out to you so far? I've got a few more things, but I'll, I'll let you go first. So Phoenix isn't trash, even without Aiton, they're not trash. No, oh, that's true. Fucking drug induced Aiton. Yeah, diuretics Aiton. Uh, guy just really needs to take a shit, man. <laughs> Trying to lose that weight. Uh, so there's that. I mean, all this Kevin Durant media going on right now, which is like kind of interesting. Uh, the Heat are really good apparently I told you they were going to be good i didn't think they were going to be like third best team in the east good but i told you miami was going to be good so this uh non-hero combinations like best rookie pair ever apparently uh so yeah that's something to look out for um another thing to look out for is rj barrett's actually not bad even with all the power forwards he's playing with at the exact same time <laughs> That's at least a bright spot for New York. Like, R.J. Barrett's not a bust. Uh, and what else is there? Well, one of the things I want to talk about was, the Harden, was Harden, right? Because Harden is putting up 16.2 free throw attempts per game right now. Granted, I know small sample size, you know, four, five, six games. But 16 free throw attempts a game is insane to me. He's making 95% of them. So that's 15 yeah, points making, at the line. Yeah, basically, yeah. And, I mean, just to put it in perspective, like his last year, he was putting up, you know, 11 free throw attempts a game. So he's going up by five whole free throws, which is a fucking lot. Like, he was basically at the top of the leaderboard last year at 11, and now it's like he's really blowing it away. I mean, this year he had a game where he had... 22 free throw attempts and he made 21 of them i just that's pretty crazy but the worst here's the bad side of that coin you look at his three pointers he's attempted 14 threes a game and made three of them yep that's westbrook numbers yes he has gone ice cold uh one-legged step back threes which is super funny because Westbrook has actually gotten better at the three this year. Uh, you know, mostly because he's moved those long twos back to threes. He's kind of embraced the Mori ball a little bit. Yeah. Oh, but, speaking of know. threes. Yeah. Orlando. At least since, I think it was Friday, Markel Fultz was a better player this season than Mike Conley. That's true. That was not a stat I thought I would hear. Fultz getting some, you know, I, I, you know, not meaningful. He's getting, yeah, yeah. He's getting non, non significant minutes. Yeah, he's definitely like starting to find his groove, which is kind of nice. I kind of want to see him like. I mean, there's not going to be a fucking televised Orlando game for a while, but you know, I kind of want to see like a game where it's like him and Luca or something, or like him and Trey Young, like. Yeah, another kind of young, offensively talented. Oh, uh, last thing is I think I saw an article. I don't know if it was ESPN or The Ringer or something saying Pascal Siakam could legitimately win most improved player again. Last year, he bumped up to like, what, 15 points a game? And now he's probably closer to like 
26 points a game. Jesus, are you uh, kidding me? Four, 40% from three, 90 from the line, almost 50 from the field. All right. So that would be pretty <laughs> insane to be back-to-back most improved player. Wow. <laughs> That's um, pretty insane. Um, the last thing I had uh, was the coach challenge. Uh, the, the 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 challenges that coaches can make now in a game. Right. So the coaches can wager a timeout for a referee call that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Now there's stipulations to this of if there's a no call. They can't challenge a no call. Like there has to right. be a whistle, which is kind of bullshit. Uh, and the other thing is, is it's not. I don't know if they aren't a, you saying it in the arena, but there's a lot of confusion to the spectators of the game that there's like undergoing coaches challenge review. Yeah, it does seem like. It's very not important. <laughs> it's not finished you know, it, yet. Yeah, it, it does seem like a work in progress. I mean, it's like when a when a coach like I want to say I forget who made it, but like somebody made it like a first quarter of a game, and I was so thrown off by what was like even happening through like me watching over like the TV broadcast where they're le- you know the, the the broadcasters are legit like explaining this whole new thing. But I don't know. So far, I, I kind of hate it. It That's slows down the I think game. It's like, I, yeah. I think it's like VAR in fucking like soccer. I, I think it just. I think it slows down the game. I think it just. It's it's a weird thing to just contest something random. But um, hey, hey, the cool part though is one of the Portland games was decided based on a coach's challenge to close out the game. That's a good point. So it's so already saved one game. Impact. Yeah. Bad for Portland, though, because they're actually kind of struggling. Uh, I think a cool thing that I saw, I think you have it down here, too, is the updated Book of Basketball coming yes, in podcast form. Yeah. Dude, that's going to be so hard. Finally. Like, I was actually flipping through that the other day. I was like, wow. It's been almost, what, 10 years since you wrote that book? Like, Yeah, I think – I know I've got the paperback, so I think that – I think the paperback happened – Maybe 2012. I think it happened in 2010 because I think LeBron had just gone to the Heat, but I don't think he had played a game yet. So I think he, I think Simmons had uh, commented on the decision, but like this was before LeBron had even I think played yet. Mm, okay. So I mean, this whole decade of stuff is basically yeah, you I know mean, up for grabs. That's a whole right? chapter that you haven't even mentioned in there. Bill, like, well, I think the whole LeBron run, I think, is like significantly, uh, you know, a huge chunk of the the NBA story now, right? I mean, pre two thousand ten, it was like, is this guy ever really going to be able to do it? I mean, Dwight, Kobe, I mean, Dirk, Steph, obviously I think, I think in there. Steph and the the you know the three ball revolution. Um, I think even like guys like Katie and Anthony Davis and Giannis and Kristaps and all these like seven footers. I mean, Paul Entering George wasn't really a thing in 2010. It was Danny Granger back then. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's 
gonna be some interesting stuff. You know, the player empowerment era in full swing. It'd be kind of nice to see what is. I, I know he does this like on his podcast a lot. He'll like, um, you know, discuss it with you know Rosillo or whatever. But it'd be kind of nice if he like flesh it out his his thoughts on the player. Yeah, more of stuff. The, more of the meta trends and more cultural things rather than the actual stats and players and whatnot. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that wraps us up for this episode. Uh, part in the paint it's podcast. It's forty nine to sixteen, by the way. Miami over Houston at the beginning of the second quarter. Freaking yikes, dude. Okay. Well, we're going to hop over to that game pretty soon here, but uh, we hope you enjoyed. Leave us a comment. Questions, feedback is always enjoyed. Again, we do thank Mountain Dew Game Fuel for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. We'll catch you guys next time for more exciting NBA commentary. <laughs>